0: Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'll be reading from verses 2 through 10. Hear now this word of God. Like a newborn infant, long for the pure and spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of your darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. Unite us by your spirit. Tell us again who we are, precious and chosen in your sight. For it's by the grace of God we gather this day to worship. It's by the grace of God that we will live each day to follow. Amen. So this chapter in 1 Peter is all about labels, titles, identities, and how it is that the people of God begin to live into that identity that claimed them when they were born again. So think, for example, with me, I am a daughter, I'm a mother, I am a wife, I am a child, I am a niece, I am an aunt, I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm a United Methodist pastor. I'm the pastor at Harrison United Methodist Church. I'm a Southerner, a Georgian to be more specific, from a small town. There are all these labels in our lives. You have them too. We are known time and time again by relationships we have with other people. And those relationships give us titles, give us labels. We are known oftentimes by where we come from and how it is we were raised and by who, and according to who we are raising. All these labels give rise to this. I am an an alumni from three different alma matas, one of which comes from a dynasty of basketball. And once you've gone into Cameron Indoor Stadium once, you are claimed by the label Blue Devil. And especially in this state, it's a label that matters. We have all, again, all these titles, these labels, these ways that we are known in almost every area of life. And sometimes the labels that we use bring us together, they bring unity, they signify meaningful and important relationships. Sometimes those labels that we use are unfortunately used in ways that aren't so healthy. Sometimes the labels that we find ourselves to be labeled by or the labels which we use to label other people are destructive and divisive. And so for better or for worse, we, we, we deal with these labels that we have in life, nicknames, titles, all of that. Some helpful and healing and others, not so much. Recently, the, the mantra of our day, at least of these last few months, has been, we are all in this together. And it is true. We are all in this together. We hear it over and over again, and it makes a lot of sense. But the truth of the matter is, we've been in it together for a really long time. Surely it doesn't take a, a virus that we cannot see, a, a germ that we cannot quickly identify or, or, or deal with. Surely it is not this invisible force that brings us together ultimately, Surely it is not a force such as COVID-ID, a word many had not heard until recently. Surely that is not what marks us, labels us, or brings us together. Surely there's a force that is even more powerful, though yet still invisible. That means that we are brought together. That means that we are all in this together. I mean, the seasons of a virus will come and go, but what is it? What is that invisible force that brings us together, that makes us who we are, that claims us and labels us in a way that is positive and constructive rather than destructive? What is it that that labels us in a way that, that unity becomes the name of the game where we begin to not just realize but to accept we are so much better when we're all pulling in the same direction? As I was speaking of titles just now, I left out perhaps the most important title the one by which we are known, the one that should make all the difference in who we are and how it is we perceive ourselves, label ourselves, and how it is we choose to label others and value who they are, even if their labels might be different from our own on a broader scheme. But the label that unifies and unites us, the label that brings us all together, that reminds us that on the flip side of Easter, we are all indeed in this together, is that label, child of God. Is that label in which we are marked by the Holy Spirit. It is that label by which we have the power through the Spirit, to be a force that changes the world in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the label that should make all the difference. And this is the label that we begin with in order to understand all the differences and distinctions that we do find among us, but not differences and distinctions that would drive us apart. Rather, other ways that we can come together and pull in the same direction and be the unified people that God calls us to be. I love this text in 1 Peter chapter 2. In this passage, there are 10 different ways to describe born-again believers. There are 10 different ways in just eight verses, nine verses, and more, I suppose, if you can use your imagination, but there are 10 distinct and different ways that those who have been claimed by Christ are described are labeled, And each of these ways should make a difference in how it is we approach life, how it is we see ourselves, and how it is we view others. We are a baby in her mother's arms. I love that. That's the starting point, right? From the very beginning, earliest stages of life, we are a baby in her mother's arms. We are living stones, the scripture tells us. We are a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood. We are a spiritual house in which the Spirit of God dwells. We are an altar for spiritual sacrifice. We are a holy nation, citizens of a wholly different realm. We are God's own people. We are witnesses to the ends of the earth of what God has done. We were nobodies. That's a great label, huh? We are nobodies who are now somebodies because we have been claimed by Jesus Christ. These are the labels, these unseen forces that bring us together this force of the Holy Spirit and tells us who we are. And what I think is so interesting and what is so different and distinct, perhaps for the people of God, is that none of these labels have anything to do with where we're from, where we were born, what language we speak, what culture we are. None of these labels have anything to do with other relationships, with commitments we've made. It's not that those aren't important. They are, of course. But the defining label, people of God, is just that. We are those claimed by Jesus Christ. We have that beginning label of a child of God. And it does in some way describe a condition of our birth. It does locate us in our mother's arms. But even that, descriptive. Even that has a spiritual connotation far beyond These mere words on a page. We are babes who want to be raised on spiritual milk because we have tasted and seen that God is good. Eugene Peterson in his translation, the message says, We have tasted the kindness of God and we become part of that unseeable force of the Holy Spirit. Claimed babes in their mother's arms, tasting and seeing that God is good, meaning that all of the rest of life is different because of that identity as newly born, as spiritual babes held and fed by our mother, sent forth with the kindness of God, informing how it is we encounter every other person, every other situation. The labels that we use or don't use. The labels that we choose to use to separate ourselves or to unify ourselves. All of it comes for naught. Save the one that we are born again believers. And this is how we begin to engage the world around us. On the flip side of Easter, God has offered us a holy new identity that makes all the difference. And it sends us forth into his world to make a difference in it. On the flip side of Easter, Jesus is out of the tomb and reminding us that we indeed are all in it together. Many say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross and indeed it is. For all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. We all need that cross, that sacrificial moment in which God restores relationship. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, no doubt. But the ground remains level and gives rise to a new creation once Jesus has come out of that tomb. The foot of the cross is not the end of the story. It's the empty tomb, again, that gives us the possibility of new birth. And gives us the possibility of being babes in our mother's arms where all other labels are subject to that one. Peter begins at ground zero, right? At that early stage, that great leveler of new birth, new identity, born again. And then he begins to engage the world from that starting position. By the time Peter was written, the gospel had begun to be proclaimed throughout the known world. It it was not just for those who were born in Jerusalem anymore. It became a movement. It went out to the known corners of the world. and, And at that time, just like our own, there were a multitude of cultures, a multitude of languages and people and borders and boundaries. And yet as the gospel went out, it sought to identify people solely based on the grace of God. And in that became the appeal by which the spirit would spread throughout the world. New birth doesn't discount all the other labels, the ones that are positive and constructive. But it does give us that place from which to begin. It's not that when we are believers, we have that great kumbaya moment sitting around the campfire roasting marshmallows. That's not it at all, I don't think. How dull would this world be if we all agreed on the same thing? How interesting God must think we are in all of our diversity and all the different ways that we understand ourselves or people understand us. But the value of who we and others are are found in that relationship with God. And it reminds us that come what may, we are all in it together. And what unites us is indeed greater than what seeks to divide us. Peter claims in Jesus' name that we start over and that we leave the past behind. We take on this new identity of the Spirit through which God changes the world. Now, the other point that I think is is so important or or intentional in this passage from Peter, it's, it's not just that the claim or the identity that matters the most is this identity in Christ it's that Peter seeks to elevate what that means Peter doesn't simply just say you are born again you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and and therefore you're satisfied and content just to say to you yourself and yourself alone or your own family in your own homes no that's not it at all God elevates what it means to be a believer, to be that babe in a mother's arms, to be raised on the Spirit of God, he elevates the conversation. You've probably heard it said that that people often become what they hear, that we live into the words that we speak. In our baptism, we acknowledge that we are claimed by God and then we make promises in the future tense. We will be followers of Christ and then we live into it. The community of faith says we will raise this child in the faith and then we together live into it. We make these promises and assertions with our words and that's exactly what Peter is doing with all these other labels, these other labels that are are found here. He gives us something to shoot for. He gives us something to continue that journey, not simply content to leave us in our mother's arms, the future is calling Spiritual maturity is the next step after being born again. We take that next step, we grow up, we move out, we embrace and encounter and see this world around us through the lens of God's grace available to all. When I first became a mom, I, somebody gave me one, a, a card that had this poem on it that described just this similar sort of situation. It was a card that simply said, a child becomes what they live. A child lives into what they hear, if you will. And you've probably seen it on walls in preschools or, or daycares or a doctor's office. And I think it is so important because for us today because it's what Peter is doing as well. This poem that talks about that children become what they live. Here, here's just part of it. If children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. If children live with pity, they begin to feel sorry for themselves. If children live with jealousy, they begin to be envious. If children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. We live into these descriptives, these ways of being and so much of it matters on, on the language we use and how it is we grow into what we hear. On the flip side, it's, it's the same thing. No longer destructive, but constructive. No longer used to, to, to separate people, but rather to elevate us into unity. If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. Confidence. If children live with tolerance, they learn patience. If children learn it live with praise, they learn appreciation. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. And on and on it goes. And Peter in this text writes in much the same way. Again, starting at that same place of childhood. Think of it this way. Peter writes to those born again, those who were raised on spiritual milk, if you, if the born again live in the love of Christ, they will love all people. If the born again are built into a spiritual house, then we will know that God's spirit resides within not just us, but in every Person God has created. If those who are born again know that the stone the builder rejected actually becomes the cornerstone upon which all other life is to be built, then we know that in this house those rejected are to be welcomed. If those who are born again understand ourselves as royalty, (laughs) I like that one. If those who are born again understand ourselves as royalty, following a king who became a servant, then we begin to understand that our lives are to be in service of all. If those who are born again know ourselves to once have been no people, and yet now God's own people, then we realize that worthiness is not formed by boundaries or borders or relationship or place of physical birth, that the love of God instead is boundless. And that on the flip side of resurrection, we are all brought together, all in it together with a force that will truly change the world for good. And it's not a tiny virus we cannot see. Peter brings us into this conversation by giving us a multitude of labels to play around with and wrestle with and begin to see and understand ourselves by And on the flip side of Easter, we begin to do this together in one way or another, located together in our homes, beyond wherever it is we are. As we understand these labels and how they apply to us, they make all the difference for how it is we understand this world and the people in it. And how it is that grace is the great leveler, and how it is that all stand equal out of the grave, and that we get to be part of what God wants to do. Because once we were no people, and now we are God's people. That's a pretty high powered label, and it's not spoken by mistake. Peter is very intentional, calling us together, reminding us exactly who we are because of whose we are, those born again, held in our mother's arms, and raised to know that God is good. May God help us to live like his children, the greatest label of all. Amen. And let us pray. Gracious God, we are indeed your grateful children. We are mindful that the identity you give us as beloved, the identity that you give us as a royal priesthood or a holy altar, we we understand that all these labels that are assigned to us are labels that will change the world by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to live into what you know We are called to be who we are called to be. Help us to be your people who know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in it together and that when we are at our best, we're all moving in the same direction, not simply for our own sake, but so that we may bear witness to who you are and how it is you seek to love and to change this world. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. And now may the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, which claims you and calls us all together, lead us forward. A force unseen, but a force that will change the word by the grace of God. Go in peace. Amen.